Hello and welcome to the Moisture Farm Report, the Star Wars podcast that will take on any job for the right price. We are back for another week to discuss some more juicy nuggets of Star Wars. And I am, as always, your host, James Matthews, with me. Also, as always, my other host, Adam Wheeler. How are you doing? What was that introduction? It went off the rails. Save it, please. <laughs> maybe you would take any job for, for the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't, maybe I'd be a... Yeah, no, no, I guess it would take any job for the right price. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, your intro was good. It was yeah. uh, it wasn't quite Uncle Harlow PR, but uh, it was it's up there. I'll give you that. I was switching tabs. I got distracted. And like I, I've forgotten the rest of the script. What's going on? <laughs> I thought it was one of those where you'd like you'd oh. written your intro line and then you'd like glanced away from it, forgotten what it was, and had to like glance and find your page again. Yeah, that's definitely never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm good, James. Uh, I good. Once again, I am. Re- I'm coming to you live from my garage, which uh, mm-hmm. Seismic Cinema will know very well, as they have seen in one of our previous <laughs> recordings. And uh, I'm ready for a juicy, amazing off-season bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, for the benefit of the people at home, Adam is currently being relegated to recording from his garage. And, like, bless him, he's in kind of three layers of coats in the freezing cold because it's winter in the UK and it's awful. Yeah, I've got um, a tear just... running down my... I've got a tear running down my face. Yeah, it's frozen before it's got too far. <laughs> and and I just Jay... can't help but think he looks like he's, like, on the run from the law or something. <laughs> <laughs> like he's hiding because, in a shed. Because I, I've also got all my... Because in the garage is sort of a tool, like a place where my family work on cars and things like that. So it's got yeah. all tools <laughs> hanging around. It's got like cutters and things and drills. So it looks like I'm in some sort of <laughs> dodgy chop shop. <laughs> yeah, like license plates and things hanging on the walls. Brilliant. I'm, 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 I'm literally in the, the, um, the, per- the person in the Mandalorian who mods Din Djarin's mm, uh, Starfighter yes. <laughs> in season <laughs> season two, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah cosplaying Pelimoto right now. That's it, that's it. No, not, wait, not the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, is that right? Or both? Both. She was in both. Oh, it was it was the Mandalorian episode of the Book of Boba Fett, wasn't it? That that's what I thought, did yes. the Starfighter. Um, but, and for the benefit of the listeners, if they don't know, James is in the complete opposite situation where he's in a really <laughs> toasty, lovely room which looks radiating <laughs> with warmth so i'm very happy for him i've got such a nice jumper on at the moment yeah, i cannot yeah, gush yeah. about this jumper enough yeah. and can i just say i haven't done anything to be relegated to the garage i just <laughs> need to stay quiet at this time in the evening <laughs> i don't know what you've done <laughs> i don't know if you've done anything or not <laughs> yes Maybe I am a fugitive on the run. We will see. <laughs> um, James, uh, before mm-hmm. we go too off-piste, maybe we should plug, for the benefit of the listeners, that if they want to support Ooh. the podcast, as always, they can literally buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep, where they can literally donate as little or as much as they want. But James, mm-hmm. quickly, before we get on to today's episode... Yeah... How is there any Star Wars things we should cover quickly before we go into it? Any things that have been happening? Um, well, the Man- Mandalorian's Man- got a release yeah. date, hasn't it? That's right. Yeah, Mandalorian is coming out March the first, I think. Yes. Excellent. Or at least that's what you told me, and I didn't check it. I just believed it. I believe so... it's March the first, and I am hella looking forward to that. <laughs> I, as you know, Mandalorian is one of my favourite Star Wars things in recent years, and of course, the Bad Batch is coming out soon as well. So we've yes. got tons of things to look forward to as soon as season four comes out in a few months' time. Yeah, we've got sort of Mandalorian clones in January. January 4th, is it, for the Bad Batch? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then we've got the Mandalorian himself in March. Is yeah. there anything February that's Mandalorian-wise? I'm not sure, but no, no, I don't know. Absolutely don't know. But but yes, we've got all of those, and obviously the listeners have the Moisture Farm Report season four coming out Mm. around february time so everyone watch out because we've got some episodes planned Mm -hmm. and we're telling um we're just saying we're already looking forward to them (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna give any spoilers but ben thick two tubes (laughs) shall we get into it let's do it so James. Yes. What 
are we talking about today? Well, today is going to be a bit of a weird one, uh, because this is a little bit of a bonus episode, Ooh. and and we're doing it for two reasons. Firstly, because as you said a minute ago, uh, season four, we're planning for, what was it, January 31st? I think we well, put down. I think so. Yeah, we haven't we haven't put that tentatively. Anywhere, but maybe maybe we should. Yeah, are we announcing the date now, James? Is this? It? I'm committing to it. It is it is not moving from that date. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's sometime around the start of February. We haven't committed to a date just yet, though. Yeah, exactly. But but that's a little while away, and we've got Christmas in the middle of that. So we thought let's give you a little a little festive bonus episode. A little bit of a um, sprinkling of TMFR. Yeah. But the other reason is because I've sort of had this idea in my mind for a little bit. I've been coming up with this idea for an episode. And and I said to you a couple of weeks ago when we were planning season four, I was like, season four? <laughs> when we were planning season four, <laughs> I said, I've got this idea for an episode and I'm not entirely sure what it is. It's a bit of like a kind of formless blob yeah. in my brain. And yeah. I don't know if it fits into a season. I don't know if it fits into our episode structure. Yeah. So... So we said, let's just do this as a bonus episode. Yeah. Let's throw this bit of spaghetti at the wall and see what happens with it. And who know? And as we are, we're good at dealing with spaghetti, James. Sometimes we do have mm. these mad ideas, and sometimes they stick. And sometimes we just go on mad ramblings and tangents for <laughs> ages. So we're good at this. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it sticks, and sometimes there is just spaghetti on the floor. Which will this be? <laughs> let's find out. Five second rule. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this formless spaghetti blob of an episode? You may ask. You may ask, Adam. Well, what is what is this formless blob of spaghetti, James? <laughs> well, thank you for asking, Adam. <laughs> uh, so this year, I've been reading a series of books called The Lando Calrissian Adventures, which I'm showing to Adam on the camera here. A lovely presented trilogy of books embossed with mm -hmm. the Star Wars logo at the top and some lovely um, illustrations uh, below. Um, so, James, yeah. what are these books about? They are about the adventures of Lando, um, before the events of the Empire Strikes Back, when he was the captain of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So it's about the kind of you know, stuff he got up to in the galaxy. Yeah. And first of all, the reason I picked them up is because they've got terrific titles. So yeah. the first one, Lando Calrissian and the Mind Harp of Sharu. Ooh, great. Book two, Lando Calrissian and the Flame Wind of Ossian. Oof, this is a very Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings-esque <laughs> title, isn't it? Yeah. And the third one, my favourite, Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thonboka. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I know, they're brilliant. That was literally the reason I picked them up. I saw them in a list of Legends books and I was like, I, I cannot not read these. <laughs> what was the <laughs> last one? That. Say the last one again. Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thonboka. Just, uh, I just... I, it, it, to me, it sounded like deep vein thrombosis or something. <laughs> like, that's what it just resembled. <laughs> a totally Lando different episode. The star cave of deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh dear. So there is there's a ton of stuff in these books that we can do future episodes on. Like there's there's um this big kind of dark side cult called the Sorcerers of Tund. There's these creatures called the Oswaft that are like the precursors to the Pergils from Rebels. Sure. There's even, you'll love this, there's a droid who might rival, uh, no, actually might even eclipse Chopper and R2-D2's kill counts combined. No way. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. Why, why didn't we include him in this episode? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was like, there's so much I want to talk about. And I was going to put some of this into season four. But I thought before I go into like the specifics of this, there's something that I just want to talk about with these books. Yeah. Um, that kind of... It's not really to do with the books themselves, but I feel like I've got to talk about this first before yes. I can talk about any of that stuff. Sure. So, as like, this is just some extended preamble to what the episode is actually about. Um, so these books are quite interesting to me because they were released in 1983, which yep. listeners might know was the year Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah. And they were released essentially like marketing for that. So, you know, hey everyone, there's a new Star Wars film coming out. Read these books about Lando. He's one sure. of the characters. Sure. And, and what's interesting to me is that they came out, you know, when we when we think about like the amount of Star Wars books that come out at the moment, yeah, and the amount of Star Wars stuff generally, like mm. how much Star Wars stuff have we had this year alone? Tons. I think we've been given the most amount of Star Wars I've ever had in my entire life in this yeah. year, and not only just you know any old Star Wars stuff, Kenobi, Andor, Mandalorian, mm. The Bad Batch. We've had so much top tier stuff. It's unreal. Yeah, and you think, like, I'm trying to think of the books that have come out, and I, there's the High Republic, there's, like, The Princess and Scoundrel, Padawan, Brotherhood, like, all of these, 
is so much on kind of all of these levels and all these comic books and everything. But back when these Lando Carizian books were released, there were just two Star Wars films and a handful of other like small novels that have been released. And that was it. Yeah. That was Star Wars canon or continuity. Yeah. And what I find really fascinating, or what I did find really fascinating when I read them, was that they came out in this time when there wasn't like a huge kind of tapestry of Star Wars continuity for them to fit into. Sure. They were like almost like a kind of frontier, I suppose. Like they're forging ahead this idea of what Star Wars as a franchise can be. Yes. And much like this episode, a lot of that is throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing like, you know, what what does a Star Wars thing look like? What does a Star Wars story look like outside of George Lucas's hands? Of course, because at, be? because at that point, you've only had two films and what, a star, what is mm. Star Wars at that point? But it's still figuring itself out and it's still developing mm. itself as a franchise. So whatever is being written and new stuff is genuinely taking the series in different ways and sh- molding it into something new which is arguably what we're, the era we're in now. It's a very similar yeah. time. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting thing reading them because because they are like existing in this place where there's not a kind of a huge precursor of what Star Wars is. They are they kind of feel alien from a lot of the other Star Wars books I've read over the years. Mm. And I at first I put that down to like just this unique place they're in in the evolution of Star Wars yeah. because there is no continuity for them to draw on. Mm. So like in these books, the only kind of things that come from out of the Star Wars films are Lando himself and the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, There aren't any planets that reappear, like he doesn't go to Tatooine or um, Bespin or there's no you know, droid models like protocol droids or astromechs don't appear. Yeah. There aren't any ships that appear. Mm. There, there are Imperial ships, for example, mm. but they're not Star Destroyers, they're just Imperial battle cruisers. Interesting. So there's like... Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird feeling because sometimes you read them and you think like you could change Lando's name, for example, yes. and it wouldn't be recognisable as a Star Wars book because there's not these yeah. like um, mm. what's the word I'm looking for? Not cameos, but kind of. So you're saying it doesn't reference all the things that we know and recognise as Star Wars? It yeah. feels more like a if it was more like a character we might know plopped into more of a generic sci-fi. If that's kind of yeah, yeah, because there's a. There are a handful of like very minor things later on that come out of the Star Wars films that go into these books, like uh, Minox, for example. Those things that feed on that feed on power couplings in The Empire Strikes Back, like they appear. Yeah. Um, and there's a mention of the smuggling compartments in the Millennium Falcon. Like there are a handful of very tiny specific things that mm. are specific to Star Wars, but generally it is just like Lando exists in this world where he's just flying the Millennium Falcon, but like nothing else is kind of recognisably Star Wars in that sense. Yes. And there's a there's a lot of it as well that comes down to, like, just the fact that Star Wars is still evolving at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, even down to word choices. Like, in these books, the author, L. Neil Smith, he quite often says robot instead of droid, which is ah, something that, like, that feels really weird yeah. <laughs> in 2022 to be reading that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is which, so strange, because you yeah. are taken out that as you said you're so used to these phrases and you're so used to what they mean and what they represent and as soon as mm. like robot that sounds like a you know it just makes you feel like you're dropped back on earth and yeah it, that's that's so strange yeah and there's like it's funny in a way because um you say it kind of takes you out of it but i remember i, I think it's in a new hope i can't remember which character says it or what the context is but I remember there is someone in there who says robot instead of droid. Oh, I see. And I kind of, I didn't notice it as a kid, but I noticed it very recently and thought, oh, that's interesting that like even George Lucas hadn't decided at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if robot is ever said again in any other Star Wars media, but. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah it's like I said, these exist at this time when a lot of Star Wars is still being defined. Yeah. So there's bits like that. Um, and there's something else in that. I, I found a passage that I just had to kind of read out because um, L. Neil Smith, he does this thing quite often where he'll like describe something in these books but relative to real world things okay um so there's there's a bit here where he's describing the oswaft these like big space creatures that travel through light speed yeah um and he says an alien observer in a different place and time would have pointed out their resemblance to an enormous manta ray um <laughs> others would have been reminded of the portuguese man of war and i'm oh, like oh <laughs> an alien observer in another space and time so us on earth <laughs> 
That's very. That feels very Douglas Ad- Adams. Yeah, from Hitchhikers, right. <laughs> like almost yeah. breaking the fourth wall with like a dry wit or humor kind exactly. of exactly kind of way. Yeah, it is kind of breaking the fourth wall that way, where you're like, "There's no way I can describe this unless I just say, look, it looks like a thing you know.'" Yeah, and yeah. It was hilarious because I read that and I, I immediately thought, is there a Wikipedia page on the Portuguese Man of War? Yeah, yeah. And is there? <laughs> yeah, there is. And the, <laughs> the really funny the really funny thing is that describing the Portuguese Man of War, they're like, it's a sea creature from another galaxy that resembles the Oswaft. So I find yeah. it hilarious that like that... he had to describe these Oswaft by yeah. comparing them to something. And then the <laughs> Wikipedia writers had to describe that by comparing it to the Star Wars thing. How did, how did, how, does it, did that have to, did they reference any sort of Earth-like, other Earth-like references in that Wikipedia entry? Or was it just literally, because uh... like how, I guess how would they know, yeah, if it was... Yeah, I don't know. What else was in that Wikipedia entry? That sounds really interesting. It's a good question. Let me just find it again. I can't spell Portuguese. I, wonder, I just wonder if there was like a... It, it resembled <laughs> this, which mm. which um, came... Like, which lived on a planet Earth in a different galaxy <laughs> or, in a, you know, something like that. But then... But then... Um, yeah. But also us in relevant relevant terms to star wars we're mm. in we're in the future aren't we because star wars mm. is a galaxy a long time ago far, yeah far away. And, and this is something i've wondered when i was reading these because he does this a lot um like he mentions there's an ancient civilization and i think he says they're as ancient to the people on this planet lando's on as the dinosaurs are to humans and again i was thinking like are dinosaurs in the star wars universe or are you talking like to the reader here and again, I'm, I'm thinking, is there a question of, like, does Earth exist in the Star Wars galaxy? Is this a question people are asking at the time? Yeah. Well, this, um, I mean, this very much sounds like it's coming from, like, the perspective of the writer more than yeah. anything else at this point. Yeah. It feels like it's the writer literally addressing us and, and coming out of it and telling us mm. about the story in his own way and his own experience. And it's... Yeah. That's very interesting. That's not a perspective we usually get in Star Wars, is it? Yeah, because I I haven't read the um. There were only four other books I think that came out before this trilogy, um, in the kind of Star Wars expanded universe. I haven't read them yet, but I don't know whether this appears in any other Star Wars books. This way of like comparing things to the real world. Sure, it's certainly something I've never come across since. Yeah, and it's kind of it's interesting to me that like again, it's another kind of idea they're perhaps throwing out. Like, is this something we can do that fits with this world? Yeah. And someone somewhere must have thought, no, this doesn't quite feel right or something. And it's yeah. never been pursued again. Sure. Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. But why we're doing an episode on this is not so that we can go over the book so much. Um, so to kind of wrap up this, like, preamble or premise, um, every time I finish reading a book, I always check out reviews that people have left for them, mostly to validate my own opinions. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> when I looked up <laughs> reviews for these Lando books, a lot of people were saying, like... They're fun, but they didn't feel like a Star Wars book. Yeah. And I saw a couple of other people saying that same thing, that you could change Lando's name and change the Millennium Falcon yeah. and sort of give them to someone else. And I don't think there's anything like recognisable that someone would say, oh, this is a Star Wars book. They just say this is a generic sci-fi book. Yes. And I, like I said, I started thinking that that was just because of the whole continuity thing, because there's not like Star Destroyers or Rebels or or anything kind of like that in there. But where this got interesting for me is I was reading these at the same time as Kenobi and Andor were both coming out. And I remember seeing a lot of people when Kenobi was out, for example, talking about how well it fit into the Star Wars canon, especially around the stuff with like Obi-Wan and Leia, and whether that kind of fit into, um, you know, like did it work in Star Wars for that, mm. in that kind of story sense. Yeah. And then with Andor, obviously one of its biggest criticisms from a lot of corners has been that it was a great show, but didn't feel like Star Wars for some reason. Yeah. And... <clears throat> and I saw a tweet around about the time of the Eye of Aldani episode that, um, I can't remember who put this up, but someone put a screenshot of a TIE fighter pilot from that episode and they said, now this show feels like Star Wars to me. And I thought that was really interesting because hmm. I, I didn't quite know what they meant by that. Like whether it was hmm. just seeing a TIE fighter pilot because that's something unique to Star Wars and now the show feels like Star Wars, or if it's like what the TIE fighter meant in that sense, like the, you know, the the drama, the dogfighting, the space fight, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really interesting that there's something about this show, whether you agree or not that it felt like Star Wars or not, that people are saying, oh, here's a thing that's making me feel like this is Star Wars, well, or this is what's missing. 
And then like while reading these books at the same time and thinking, yeah, these don't feel like Star Wars, but why? Well, I think that this has been going on for a while because not only yes. did we see it there, but we also saw it prevalently during the sequel trilogy when people mm. were just getting back into Star Wars, perhaps after maybe a decade or years of inactivity mm. or not being engaged to it. And suddenly people were thrown into The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi and The Rise, Rise of Skywalker, and all you saw mm. were subjective opinions on to them why they felt it felt like star wars some yeah. people thought differently about one film than the other and made the point that to them this feels like the star wars that i loved and grew up with so i so mm. i think i think this has been going on for quite a long time and i yeah. think it's a really interesting point to pick out and i think it's something that it's everyone will have an opinion on this and yeah everyone will have something <laughs> to add because we've We've all we've already asked a few people on Twitter, haven't we, James? Yes, we what have indeed. Thought. And we can very quickly just get up some of their um, yeah. their opinions on this. I think I've got them right here. So we, there was a couple. We basically put out a tweet saying we want to know what makes a Star Wars story feel like Star Wars to you. The setting, the lore, something thematic. What what is it about that? What is it that makes it feel like Star Wars to you? And we had a few mm. responses. So thank you to Nat, of course. Um, Nat uh, generously put up a very, very lovely response mm. saying basically this. There's so much that goes into it. The music, the characters, the themes, storylines of finding hope and peace where there's only chaos in something that stands out to me. Whether the story is about Jedi, Senators, Rebels, or anything in between, you can always find a message um, that things can and will get better. It's such a specific feeling to me that whether I'm binging a show, rewatching the movies, or diving into the books, it all feels like Star Wars. But Nat's opinion isn't the only one because we also had someone. <laughs> uh, we had someone say lovable droids, aliens, and great music. Right. So mm. that's another thing to someone else makes a Star Wars thing Star Wars. And yeah. How about James? What do you think? Mm. What makes a Star Wars thing Star Wars to you? Well, this is um, yeah, even like just kind of narrowing down the question, like you can get different opinions on what the question is asking. Because I think when you look at, for example, Andor, it's full of things that are like recognizably Star Wars and things that fit in the Star Wars universe, like TIE Fighters and Star Destroyers and, and X-Wings and everything. But for a lot of people, it is just like a kind of, there's a feeling there's something not quite right there. But then you look at like the book of Boba Fett, for example, where I think, like, thematically, it felt like a Star Wars thing. But then people yeah. were talking about, like, the mods, for example, and did they fit in Star Wars? Yeah. And there's, like, I think there's all these kind of different avenues. Like, is it something thematic to the people yes. that that isn't there? Or is it, like, yeah. is, there, is it this combination of, like, specific elements that has to yeah. work? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've got an answer, but I kind of want to hear yours first. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like I've done a lot of talking already. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no you no you go first no you <laughs> i want to hear yours first and then if i agree with it i'll just say yes that one <laughs> is this another one of your self-validation attempts james <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay this is cool uh great i'll be the troll i'll be the guinea pig so i think that um what makes a star wars thing a star wars film or or piece of thing to me um probably is a number of things um I think it feels, because I grew up with it, because I feel inherently like it's a part of my childhood. I mm. think there is a sense that um, I I grew up in the time, same as you, where I grew up with, A, yes, the films like Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and things like that. But I also grew up with the comics or magazines and video mm. games and things like that, which felt to me like you know it was all about being immersed in a world diving into this big lore and finding out all these incredible bits finding out you know the name of that ship the name of that alien and finding more mm. about that was it was almost like you know as a kid you were wanting to find the next thing and the next thing it was like ah oh, what's that around the corner that's cool but what's that mm. and and i think that all ties into a childlike fascination with wanting to be lost in this crazy world, which you've never seen before and feels so alien to you. But it's rooted in something which is also very recognisable, which is 
stories that maybe we've seen before and stories that are sort of about, you know, overcoming fear and overcoming triumphing over evil, family mm. and all sorts of things like that. It There is a sense of relatability and comfort within the alien if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Like for example like for example when you're watching a new hope and you see the opening sequence where <laughs> Luke opens in a kitchen, right? And you've got like yeah. they're coming out with like a pot of coffee which looks like a or like a bit of milk and there's a, like all sorts of things like that. <laughs> and it makes you feel warm inside because you're like, "Ah, that that looks like that just looks like an everyday breakfast." But mm. Also, there's a moisture evaporator outside and there's some, some <laughs> gold-plated droid going crazy in the corner and, <laughs> and probably some Tuscan Raiders going rrr, 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 in the corner. So, it's so yeah, I, I, I think I'll end there before I say any more, mm. but I quite like that idea of there's a childlike fascination with the alien part and the craziness of it, while also mm. there's something very relatable and, yeah... So is it like a kind of, um, I don't know if adventure is the right word, but like a sense of, I don't know, kind of possibilities or discoveries when you're talking about this, like this wider world and wanting to know what all of these bits are and all the places. Is yeah. Because I remember when I read The Lord of the Rings, for example, I had a similar thing where I'd look at the maps in the back of the book and I'd know where the Fellowship go on their journey. Yeah. But I'd kind of want them to veer off to the side and go to like yes. all these other places and think, yeah, yeah, what's there? I want to know yeah. what there is. Because the fact that someone has created that map in the first mm. place show, tells you that detail and there is and there is thought that have gone into everything. Yeah. And like, yes, I've seen the trail mm. they're going on, but, you know, they could go there and there's so yeah. much possibility in that <laughs> that it's almost like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was something that I really loved about, or that was the thing I loved the most about Rebels, because that introduces all of these, you know, wild concepts like the star clusters and the world between worlds and all of this. And I think what I loved was just seeing like these kind of new bits of the Star Wars kind of mythos in the world. Yeah. Like, what is this? What else is out there beyond yes. what we've already seen? Yeah, yeah. I, and, and and that's why I loved, you know, that's and that's why probably we both loved Lord of the Rings in the same way. Mm. I think we like we liked those elements because both of them had that, you know. Yeah. Some people might have, you know, some people might love Harry Potter for a very similar reason, or mm. something, or Marvel for a very similar reason. But yeah, you know. Um, but I think going into more about you know getting lost in this world, mm. I think there is a sense to me, you know, there is a sense to me that it it needs to be connected to the wider universe in some way a very loose yeah. way it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be strong but i think a big part of it is knowing that you are in the universe because there are all these bits terminologies language that feels mm. like you're in the universe otherwise why would you be there why okay. would you keep coming back to it and you've spent so much time becoming immersed in this world and learning about this world mm. that you're you're invested and you want to you, you want to see the fruit of your learning from different media <laughs> be paid off in all the other media that you see sometimes some people might call that another thing mm. like maybe, maybe some people might consider that <laughs> fan service i don't think we have to go that far and say fan service <laughs> but there is a nice payoff when you do hit you know you keep coming back to someone say that you know this clunky droid in the corner or you see yeah. the guy rubbing running into a starfighter uh, a tie fighter you know yeah. and it just makes you feel like you are connected to the wider tapestry right yeah well i i agree and i um i think there's it's a good point you made about like fan service and whether it kind of has to go that far or not because one of my favorite things about andor which for some reason i never brought up in our review episode was that scene where luthan gives uh cassian that little crystal pendant he has and he mentions something about it being like a relic the from the, the Rakatan invasion. And like Andor didn't have kind of loads of cameos or anything like that or kind of massive name drops. But it had these little bits like that that I don't know what the Rakatan invasion is. No. I know the Rakatan are a thing because you mentioned them in the lightsaber episode we did. But I don't know what it is. But I know that just from that mention that this is history these characters know about in this world. And it's it's little things like that that is like it connects Andor to this wider universe. Yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, so let me ask you a question then before you before you go and <clears throat> do your own explaining. <laughs> but, so, yeah. does the fact that, 
if we're referencing the books that you have just given and told us about, mm. do these references of droids, you know, replacing droids with the name robots, yeah. how does that make you feel then? Does that take you out of it? Or does that make it... Does does inherently the name droid make you think Star Wars? Yeah, I think on like an instinctual level, I think when I see robots instead of droid, it does kind of knock me out of it a little bit. It's funny because there's... Um, obviously, you know, the Star Wars galaxy is enormous and probably different societies and different cultures and different planets will have different names for things. And I remember even in, um, I think it might have been Carrie Fisher said that when they were filming A New Hope, a couple of actors had asked George Lucas whether it whether you pronounce Leia as Leia or Leah. And that's why a couple of different characters say it different ways in the film. Right. And George Lucas said, like, well, I go with Leia, but I'm assuming people in the Star Wars universe would say it differently because people say different names differently. Yes very true um, yeah, yeah so there's like on a kind of on an intent like an intellectual level i'm thinking oh this shouldn't take me out that much yeah but it yeah. does in a sense okay. and it makes me wonder when yeah. you said about like needing kind of connections to the wider galaxy i wonder you know if you had a star wars story that had like that was set on a planet we've never seen before yeah had no characters we've seen before yeah but like on a kind of terminology level like that or yeah. like with these kind of deep cut references to history, like would that be enough to make it feel yes. like a Star Wars story? Well, or is there something a... else like thematically or something that still kind of makes it feel like Star Wars beyond those like small links? Well, that's, well I mean, that's a good question because when everyone saw Mandalorian for the first time, mm. it was a new character that we went on a journey with the Mandalorian who essentially mm. didn't know that he was in the Star Wars galaxy, right? That's yeah. the joke that everyone made, that Jin Jarin doesn't know he's in Star Wars. He's seen the R2-D2 and he doesn't know he's in Star Wars. What? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. I love all that. But yeah. uh, but um, I guess Din Djarin might not be the most best example because the first thing we saw with Din Djarin is that he's wearing Mandalorian armor. And if people mm. have watched Attack of the Clones instantly, they will know or, or recognize yeah. that in universe. So yeah, let's let's take the example of not even Din Djarin, but someone who is just on a completely isolated planet, <laughs> somewhere else, never seen it, don't know who the people are, who knows? Yeah. How would we know that it's a Star Wars mm. film? And that's a really hard question because <laughs> I guess I guess yeah, it would come out in all different different ways and different things. I guess you know, I would suppose there would be an element of grandeur to it. There's an mm. element of Star Wars that, you know, is always been about um, feeling like this space opera, right? That yeah. has got incredible music playing while big sequences happen. And it, it's a spectacle. So I suppose there mm. might be an element of spectacle in it. Okay. I suppose there might be also... Like a big dance number or something. A big, a big disco number, yes. <laughs> this this, this uh, planet knows out of party. <laughs> so we're saying categorically that Saturday Night Fever is canon in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> according to you. I'm saying Saturday Night Fever is canon. I'm saying Another One Bites the Dust is canon. I'm saying it, it's, you know, there's probably a planet dedicated to, uh, yeah, Thriller and all sorts of things like that. So we'll see. But so what makes... Yeah, I'm going to turn it to you because I, okay. I'm not too sure how to answer that question. Because I think... Maybe because I've is... been dodging the question. You have. You've 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 been sort of dodging around and saying other things. But I want to know what is your opinion. What oh, makes no. to you? I've got to give an opinion now. You got to oh. get off the fence. Come I've on. Got to get a hot take going. <laughs> Spicy I think and the Star better. Wars is purely fan service. It's all all I want from Star. No. Um, yeah, I I think there are two things, um, which is why I think there's like different interpretations of what the question even means. Because I think there's there's a story set in the Star Wars galaxy. And there's a story that feels like a Star Wars story. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're mutually exclusive. I'm saying yeah. maybe it's more like a Venn diagram. Like you can have a Star Wars story yeah. or a story set in the Star Wars galaxy with TIE fighters and Star Destroyers and Jedi and everything. Yeah. But it could be thematically completely different from, say, the Skywalker saga. Yes. Yes. But yes. most of the time we get Star Wars stories that are in the, the middle of this thing. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to sound really cheesy. Okay. Go for but it. I Hit think me. what was... <laughs> give me the cheese. I think, I think what makes Star Wars Star Wars is hope. Like yeah. I think that's the that's the thematic through line. 
yeah. that you can find in every... I was going to say every good Star Wars story, but I, I'd go out on a limb and say every Star Wars story. Yeah. That's its core thing. Yeah. Because um, even when you when you look at, like... I think when you say something like, you know, the, the main part of Star Wars is hope, people can say, like, oh, but there's, you know, there's Rogue One, which is really dark, or there's The Last Jedi or Avenger of the Sith. But, like, mm-hmm. even the darkest Star Wars stories, none of them end on, like, a... On like a gloomy cliffhanger. Like Revenge Never. of the Sith doesn't end with Vader and Sidious looking at the Death Star construction and then it fades to black. Never. It ends with Obi-Wan taking Luke to Tatooine yeah. and Owen and Beru looking at the sunset. Yeah. Rogue One literally ends with Leia getting the Death Star plans and saying hope. Yes. It's the... Yeah. I think that's like, even when it's a dark film, it's always... It always ends on a note that like, this is only temporary. This isn't yeah. going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's interesting we talked about Lord of the Rings a couple of times because I think that's probably the through line of Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah. They're very similar stories in that sense where it's always about like no matter how dark it gets, it's only ever temporary because there's always going to be someone who's going to rise up and do something about it. I think you're right. I think I think you're right in the, to an extent. I think it is hope. I think it's... all, But it, then it's hard, isn't it, when you mention that Lord of the Rings, that's central to Lord of the Rings. Mm. Someone might counter that and say, well, then if they're both the same then is it is it specific to star wars but then i suppose <laughs> it is but no it i'm is saying lord you. of the rings is a star wars story <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you're saying saturday br- night fever could be in the star wars universe i'm saying lord <laughs> Listen, of the rings is star wars came first so lord of the rings is taking us <laughs> is using a star wars story in, i think jrr in... tolkien would have an issue with that statement <laughs> damn it you're right <laughs> take that back <laughs> um yes completely different time um but uh, forget that Lord of the Rings doesn't just exist with the films. Um, shame on me. But I suppose yes. If a oh. if a Tolkien if a Tolkien story is about hope, if mm. a let's say let's say for argument's sake a Harry Potter film is about hope, mm. then yeah. is 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 that unique? But it would be to you as a Star Wars mm. viewer if you watch it and you perceive that as the core of it, then it is right. Because yeah. if, it is, cause if it is to you, surely that's enough. Yeah, and I guess it's it doesn't necessarily have to be like something that only Star Wars does. And maybe it's a combination of this kind of like thematic core and those elements of a recognisable universe. Because like, yeah, you could look at the Lord of the Rings, for example, and say it's got the same themes as Star Wars. But there is no part of Middle Earth that resembles the Star Wars galaxy. No, Um no. Apart from Andy Circus, yes. And <laughs> um, where was I going? Not with in this? his mo- not had... in his mocap suit though. Not in his mocap. No, suit. very true. The mocap suit's gone, so that's the. Wait uh, for Andor yeah. season two. Once once Keen Alloy comes out of the water, he's going to be shriveled as a prune, and he's going to look like. <laughs> oh gosh, that's maybe the actual <laughs> the second birth, or maybe the birth we never saw of Gollum. That's how he maybe transforms. Is yes. Makes horrible experimentation. Uh, experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, w- I would hate that. <laughs> I would hate that. But I think you're right. But I, and I think that a lot of people will, you know, they will have other. I think they'll have other thematic things that they take from Star mm. Wars. They will have things like, you know, friendship over family. Friend. Oh, sorry. Yep. Um, not friendship over family. Just friendship, family, love. You know using that to eventually triumph mm. over evil or you know um and and, and all of that and mm. i've lost my train of thought now because i was going to go somewhere <laughs> with that and now completely i'm completely stumped um hopefully you'll help me here james well yeah because i like i've not read every single star wars book that's ever been written and every single comic issue so there's there's going to be others that maybe don't have this in there like i'm going to come on to it in a bit but the lando calrissian books i don't think fit this yeah um and yeah, maybe it's not something that like that everybody reading. I'm sure someone out there is going to be like, "Well, what about this Star Wars story?" And like, well, I haven't read it, so I don't know. But I guess the ones that just that... come to mind, like throughout the Star Wars saga, every film has that in there, and yes. like the High Republic ones that I read, it's through that. And okay, question, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the uh, hear me out here. Yeah. Force Unleashed. Okay. I haven't played dark, it, but a, let's pretend a, I have. I was going to say that there's a dark ending to Force, Un- Force Unleashed. Mm. <laughs> and through that dark ending, questionable if there's, a th- if there's a theme of hope 
<laughs> coming out. <laughs> also, I remember there's a there's a um, in the video game Revenge of the Sith when the mm. alternative ending when Anakin yes. stabs the Emperor and <laughs> takes over the throne for himself. Yeah. Um, questionable if there's a hope-filled narrative <laughs> coming from that. So my question to you would be: Would you think of that? Would that feel not a Star Wars film or or a piece of Star Wars media? Well, it's non-canon, so I'm not even going to. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. No, um, all of know, them have I, I weight. Think... All of them matter. I don't know what you're on about. Because <laughs> I, I think like um, there's when I say that it's it's about hope. I think I think kind of hopeless. You can have a hopeless story, for example, like Andor is extremely hopeless in a way. Yes. Because it's about all of these characters who have no power to stand up to the thing that's oppressing them. Yes. But I think a hopeless story is by definition um, about hope, right? Yeah. Even though they're in a situation yeah. with no hope, it's about, or at least for those characters, it's about finding that hope. Yes. And bring it back around to those Lando books and why I don't think they kind of fit with this theme is that these exist in, or they take place in a part of the galaxy that we'd probably now call the Outer Rim, but they, weirdly enough, they resemble like Ferex and Morlana, this kind of part of yeah. Andor, where sure. they're right on the fringes of the Empire. There's no like direct Imperial governance. It's all just corrupt bureaucrats trying to get a yeah. slice for themselves. Yeah. And I think the first two books at least start with Lando being like strong-armed into doing stuff for these corrupt bureaucrats. By, yeah. They essentially like trump him up on kind of fake customs charges and fake parking charges. Yeah. Like, oh, you imported this forbidden thing into our system. So unless you pay up like 50 billion credits or do this tricky job for me, we're taking your <laughs> ship. And he's like, fine, I better do this job. <laughs> and and it's funny because that's, it, that's not like a huge kind of... When I talk about that, like not being hope in the book or something, it's not like these people are trying to blow up planets with a Death Star. They're literally just like... Um, you know, corrupt and fat bureaucrats sitting yes. on massive piles of cash. Yes. But there's a sense that, like, overthrowing that or ousting those people never comes into this. Like, changing that state yeah. never comes into these stories. Right. Lando just does his thing and then leaves. And the people who live on the system continue living in this situation. Whereas, like, something like Andor, they're in a very, very hopeless situation with, like, a Death Star being built. Yeah. But you know that they're working towards changing that. Yeah, and I yeah. think, I think that's why these don't feel like Star Wars because I'm like, as soon as the book ends, that crap world still exists, and it's yes. just gonna keep going, yeah, because yeah. no one is doing anything to change it. I think it's really an interesting and exciting time to be a Star Wars viewer at the moment because mm. I think now we're at a point where Star Wars has trialed out multiple pieces of content on their TV shows, especially yeah. recently, that have different tones. Like, mm. Kenobi and or Book of Boba Fett, there is some, there's a lot of different themes and tones going to those. Book of Boba Fett, I think, really, you know, it, 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 it threw in things that might appeal to people who were asking for things like um, callbacks and mm. things like that and things that felt that resembled the original maybe the original trilogies or things they might recognize as star wars you've got things like kenobi as well that feed into the tapestry of the films and andor mm. going on its own way i think that now we're at a point where we can look at all of these different pieces of media sorry and the mandalorian mm. and look at things which are and do feel different but you do find that commonality and yeah it's so exciting now to see how ahsoka will feel and how uh, and how all these other pieces of content will feel, how all the Sif Acolyte could feel. But mm. I think that... And that's going to be actually really cool because that's going to be a Sif-led story, right? Yeah, So we're gonna see we're gonna see the hope come through there somewhere <laughs> gonna be maybe the it'll be that. maybe get maybe has a redemption arc or <laughs> maybe it's about... Maybe it is like an ultra Sif perspective <laughs> and, you know, they're trying to overthrow the Empire, but to them it's a good perspective. So, so to maybe. them it's a hopeful thing <laughs> to... Im impose darkness <laughs> on the galaxy anyway yeah i think it's an yeah. exciting time now to see star wars trial out and, and and for it to feel different but for it to but for us to know that that's okay and mm. for us to be excited about that and then for us to all understand that there is these different ways that we can all experience star wars and yeah and love star wars 
and also identify with it at the same time. Mm. And just before I end there, you know, <laughs> I just want to say that, you know, people like my dad, for example, love Star Wars for a number of different reasons. And there yeah. are people who are younger than us who love Star Wars for different reasons. And it's it's I think it's fantastic. And it's also really interesting that Star Wars can do that on many levels. Yes. And whether it is from your interest in the wider universe being within the universe as a whole or whether it is the the thematics whether it is the message of hope um i think it's so powerful that everyone can be touched and 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 feel it in that same way Mm. yeah i i 100 agree and it it makes me kind of curious at the moment like this is partly why i wanted to do this episode is because i was reading these books and like all of this stuff with where stars is developing at the moment was kind of going on and it was a weird parallel like it was a it was a happy coincidence I read these this year. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder a little bit, seeing Andor, if we'd ever get something like those Lando Carizian books or like these kind of early bits of the EU where it's just like, it's Star Wars, but it's completely different. Because like yeah. Andor, um, I get sometimes why people say it doesn't feel like Star Wars because a lot of the... Um, I remember hearing someone saying the other day that it's a show they probably wouldn't show to their kids which they showed like the book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi to their kids, but they said they wouldn't with Andor. And not because it was like too dark or too scary or anything, but they were just like, I don't think they'd get it. Right. Um, And I thought that's kind of interesting that you're getting potentially like Star Wars made for different kind of demographics within the audience, which maybe you've always had, I don't know, but it feels a little bit more more kind of clear cut now that that's happening. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of people now talking about Star Wars being like a restaurant where you've got this whole menu of things and you can you can choose one of everything and eat all of it and enjoy it. Yeah, or yeah, maybe yeah. you've got a few dishes that you like and a few that you don't. And that's sure. like both are equally valid. I It makes me excited as well, thinking yeah. like looking ahead to something like Ahsoka and thinking that's probably going to be in the vein of like Kenobi or, yes. um, or something like that, like a kind of classic Star Wars tale. Yeah. But then you've got the Acolyte and I'm like, where is that going to go? What is that going to be? Yes, That exactly. could be something completely different. And the High Republic that's just like a kind of like venturing forth into all of these new ideas. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. there are so many places Star Wars can go now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited to find out where they go next. Yeah. I, I, I think, <clears throat> but I think I want to end on that. Um, one thing I've always recognised whenever I watch a Star Wars film with yeah. a family member um, is that um, more times than not, especially with the films... And this is mm. prequels, this is originals, and to some extent, yeah, the sequels as well, is that it always impacts this specific person to the point mm. where they're almost brought to tears sometimes, especially if they've watched the trilogy all the way through. And when they get mm. to that Return of the Jedi moment, the the, the journey that everyone's been on and yeah. the, the point journey. where we... Exactly, exactly, full journey, full <laughs> circle. And we've had people come from... The darkness back to the light, hope has won. It may it, it it always impacts them quite a lot to the point where they're mm. always brought to tears, and I always recognise that. And it's always a really lovely moment when that does yeah. happen, because you can you can tell that the story is impactful, and you can tell that there is something beautiful to this. And yeah. I I think it is a part of your hope um, theme there, and mm. that's a lovely thing every time it finishes <laughs> to to have that in the back of your mind that that is the message that there's always hope yeah. but yeah not to get too not to get too deep about it <laughs> let's uh, get back into uh droids and b1 b1 battle droids <laughs> i was just going to ask are you saying that what makes star wars feel like star wars is it makes people cry in the end <laughs> i i think it's a part of it why not <laughs> certainly it's made something me cry we've both mo- done made me cry on many occasions <laughs> yeah you take one look through our twitter feed there's people crying like every second about something exactly. to do with star wars it's, yeah yeah like gosh you should see I, you should yeah. see me when i saw luke skywalker come out uh during the mandalorian <laughs> season two finale i mean oh I my loving. gosh yeah. i was gone i was dead <laughs> yeah I, th- I think tears and hope are definitely part of the equation You know, Adam, you said earlier on, like quite early in the episode, that one of the things that makes Star Wars so good for you is discovering all of these little bits of the Star Wars universe, like finding out more about characters, different ships, different planets. Isn't it convenient that's exactly what our podcast is about? 
That is very true. And that is why our podcast feels like Star Wars, doesn't it? Yes. The true meaning of Star Wars is the Moisture Farm Report. report. We've cracked it. We found it. We've cracked it. Here we are. Brilliant. (laughs) We are the answer and the question. We are. Yes, of course we are. Oh, that sounded uh, no, philosophical I mean, then. But it, there is there is a little bit of that, isn't there? Though we mm. that's what we love about Star Wars, and we wanted to explore that through a podcast <laughs> and find a way to get an outlet for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like that's every time I read a Star Wars book, it's always like I want to find out what this what this has to offer. Like yeah. what what characters this introduces. Sure, sure. Even in these Lando books, I'm saying like I didn't really enjoy them. Or I didn't feel like Star Wars. I'm still like. But there is so much here I want to talk about in episodes because there are the so ho- many cool characters or places or things. The holiday special. There's plenty of yeah. things to talk about in that. Yeah, I would happily revisit that. I yeah. shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is coming up, James. We might need no. to. We might need to. <laughs> We've got the Lego listen, holiday special. Listen, we should watch that this year. You really like Jefferson Starship in that holiday special. So and I and I really like the the Les Mis musical part mm. in the bar. So there are, you know, we could definitely revisit that this season if, uh, <laughs> if we're feeling uh, up for it. Maybe we, need a, maybe we need a drink first before we do. Yeah, definitely get some eggnog. And uh, I think I need a really warm drink now because uh, mm. I've been in my garage for a really long time. So um, we want to know what you think makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars. Let us know your thoughts on social media at Moisture Farm Rep, or you can send us an email at moisturefarmpod at gmail.com. Uh, in fact, if you have any suggestions about topics, characters, or places in the Star Wars universe that we should discuss, send them our way too. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Wheeler underscore Deals. And I'm at James16Matthews. And if you liked this weird blob of an episode, why not subscribe and leave us a review on your platform of choice? And of course, if you want to support the show, you can literally buy us a cup of Jawa juice at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farmer rep. But thank you for listening to James and I, as always. We'll be back next time. And I think in the new year, potentially. Yes. Unless we decide to do another blob of spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) How much spaghetti have we got left? (laughs) I've always got spaghetti. I've got I've got plenty. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the TMFR cogs are turning come late December, whether we are back. But I think it's safe to say we'll be back in the new year, ready for season four. And we can't wait to have you there with us. And we will be back then to discuss more of the incredible universe that is Star Wars. But until then, we will see you next time on the Moisture Farm Report. Styles feel like Star Wars, really? Blue milk, baby Yoda merch. <sighs> yeah, definitely. And B and uh, and B two B two merch as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just merch.